The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. This means that we donate 1% of our time and 1% of our revenue to conservation. If you want to find out how you or your business can get certified or learn more about the organization, visit fishandwildlife.org. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Hey guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. I am John Hudspeth, and I will be your host on this endeavor. And uh, yeah, welcome to episode one. Uh, I have written on my computer screen right in front of me, breathe. <laughs> Slow down and breathe. Uh, I am very, very excited for this project, and I'm glad all you guys are listening, everybody out there. I hope I don't screw it up. I don't think I will. I've uh, been working on this for a long time. It's been a long time coming, and it's, it's exciting to finally get this underway. So yeah. I can't wait. We have a great show coming up. Uh, I talked to Game Warden Andrew Potter of Choctaw County, and we have a great conversation. Um, I had a list of questions for Andrew that he answered and did a great job, and I figured what better way to kick this thing off than with talking to a Game Warden, you know, right out the gate, get some things straight. Uh, You know, when this drops, it'll be full-on hunting season. And so, again, what better way to kick this thing off than uh, some questions with Game Warden. So, real quick, before we get there, uh, again, it is, you know, right in the heart of deer season. I want to give you guys a few quick updates on my hunting season so far. And the update is, it has been brutal. (laughs) So, uh, kicking back to last year real quick, I did not shoot a buck on our own property last year, which really burned me. Uh, I was able to shoot a buck on, on a friend over in Texas, but I didn't get one on our property. And the previous years I'd done quite well. I'd actually shot uh, or filled both my buck, buck tags two years in a row. So I had high hopes going into last year and didn't get it done. So put a lot of extra work in this summer and had everything going. And, you know, I can't say that my hard work didn't pay off. Because I've had a lot of buck encounters, more than I ever have probably. I just haven't got it done. I haven't been able to seal the deal. And I do have some stories that I'll probably tell on a later podcast that's more dedicated to deer hunting. But uh, I did make a few trips out to the public land. Uh, Saw some does, but no bucks. I did uh, talk to a guy who had shot a doe, uh, I believe it might have been opening day of deer season. And uh, he was pumped. He had some buddies helping him drag it out. And so got to share that with him for a little bit. And that was really cool. He was pretty pumped to have some meat for the freezer. So that was cool. And then, uh, yeah, I've had some, like I said, some encounters, but just nothing in the freezer yet. So I do plan to hunt in the morning. And I got to say, if it's brown, it's down. It's time to start filling the freezer. Probably going to hold out uh, on the bucks. You know, I, I still want something nice. Our property does set up very well for late season, so even though things are, I wouldn't say they're quite winding down, but getting ready to start winding down, I'm not too worried yet, so I've 
I've shot, uh, you know, a couple bucks in January, one or two in December. And so I'm still feeling pretty good. Uh, not panicked just yet, but you know, give me another couple weeks and I'll probably start panicking. So anyway, enough about me. I want to get to my interview with Andrew. One last quick note. Andrew was on duty when we recorded this, and so you may hear some radio noises in the background. Just ignore it. That's okay. He was on duty, and also he is recording this on a hotspot out in the boonies, and so it does lag a time or two, but overall the, the audio is pretty dang good, and so just bear with us a little bit, and uh, yeah, without further ado, here is my interview with Warden Andrew Potter. Hey everybody, and welcome to the show today. Today we are with Warden Andrew Potter. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing good. Good, good. Before we uh, really dive off the deep end, why don't you just give us a quick rundown of uh, who you are and what you do? Yep, so I'm Andrew Potter. I'm the Oklahoma Game Warden here assigned to Choctaw County in uh, southeast Oklahoma. Uh, I've been with the department for uh, about two and a half years, uh, graduated OSU and worked for state parks for a while and got to move over to wildlife and uh, have really been enjoying uh, serving the sportsmen of our state. Awesome. Sounds like you're working right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm in the truck and kind of waiting for one of our guys to come by and see if he can get his tractor on. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, that's a great segue into my uh, first question, which is, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about what it is game wardens do and all the different things that they do for the state. Yeah, so the majority of my time is is spent uh, on patrol, uh, doing compliance checks, uh, you know, working calls, taking investigations, meeting with uh, folks out in the field answering the phone calls. Uh, We've got one game warden for every county, and every county will have a county game warden phone number that you can call. So we're kind of like your ag extension office. We're your guy there in the county that you can call, and, you know, if we don't know it, we'll know who to call higher up the chain and, and, uh, you know, do the outreach. We do our hunter safety in the areas, things like that. But for the vast majority, we're charged with enforcing Oklahoma's uh, fish and game laws and uh, uh, commercial ranches and Mm -hmm. hunting operations things like that so. gotcha gotcha uh you mentioned before we started recording some high fence stuff y'all y'all regulate all the high fence operations and everything in the state also yeah so um each one of those to you know if you have a, a high fence uh, trophy ranch that you're going to set up we always have an initial inspection you call headquarters get your packet and then i can come out and kind of run through it all and, and look at your pins and uh, inspect the fence you know a lot of these fences have trouble with water gaps and, mm-hmm. and things like that and tree things blowing in on them and mm-hmm. so that uh, you know we do an annual inspection to follow up and just make sure all that criteria is still getting met to mm-hmm. keep our native herd separate from from those uh, you know store-bought deer and mm-hmm. and uh, trophy operations and yeah. keeps the exotics in and out too so. right <laughs> so you're saying i can't just run back to the back 40 and throw up a fence and throw some stuff in there yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that. If you have exotic species that are unregulated, you know, you can basically keep them for livestock, but then when you get into the, the taking money for it and, and charging people to come in and hunt that are going to take that meat and leave the area, then, you know, we've got some <laughs> some regulatory measures. So, Gotcha, gotcha. Well, very cool. Uh, well, let's jump off into the real meat and taters of the conversation, if you don't mind. And uh yeah. The first question I got for you is kind of a it's educational for the listeners and probably for you too a little bit and I was just wondering if you could run down 
basically just some common laws that you see a lot, uh, you know, people breaking, either not understanding correctly or just things you see repeatedly that people tend to not know or whatever it might be. Uh, do you have any examples of stuff like that? Yeah, uh, you know, mostly my day-to-day encounters as far as, you know, little violations or things that people miss is, uh, by far, you know, the, the fishing without license mm. is probably my most common, which is, you would think, kind of a no-brainer, <laughs> you know, if I'm going to go fish at the dam or, or put in the boat. But, you know, a lot of folks kind of have the mentality of, well, we're not going to see a, a game mm. warden or anything like that. So then you get that kind of droopy face when you roll up in the boat. <laughs> so one guy just sets down the fishing pole and you kind of know, okay, well, I see what's fixing to happen here. <laughs> right. As far as little, you know, little things uh, and stuff that people aren't aware of, uh, kind of two big ones, especially fishing related, uh, have to do with paddle fish and alligator gar. Uh, I believe it was last summer or last fall when legislation took effect. It may have been the year before. I don't remember exactly. Years now, uh, alligator gar are on e-check. Hmm. Uh, so if you're out boat fishing and get an alligator gar, uh, you're now required to check it in within 24 hours, just like you would a deer. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's, fish, and that's so. just alligator gar, not, uh, um, spacing long nose. Yeah. So all the other rough fish, you know, carp mm-hmm. and gar are still open. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of federal grants and stuff going on with research, uh, for alligator gar, uh, alligator gar is kind of where paddlefish was before it kind of got regulated. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost kind of, the allure of killing one and getting one is uh, kind of almost pushing it into being a sport fish. You know, hmm. there's, there's enough of it now that people are pursuing them and, and really us and us fish and wildlife don't really know enough about them to understand, you know, how much of an impact sportsmen are having on, on harvesting those fish. So. Yeah. Right. Hmm. All right. And then, uh, sorry, fish. I interrupted you on the paddle fish. Paddle fish is the same way they've been on each check for a while strange regulations uh you know you can't uh, there's only certain days of the week you can keep one there's no culling uh, just you know barbless hooks lots of little persnickety things where if i hear somebody say i want to go fish for paddlefish uh say go get a reg book because <laughs> there's too much to do for me to even tell you <laughs> yeah you just need to make sure you can before you just hop out there and go try to snag one so gotcha gotcha that's good that's something i've never done but definitely been interested in that's a, it is that's a, a blast. cool freaky looking fish so yeah. Well, very cool. Well, you touched on it just a second ago, uh, but my next question is, you know, let's say I'm out recreating, whether it be fishing, hunting, whatever it might be, and I look over and I see you walking towards me. Uh, what is the best action for me to take? You know, what can I do to make you feel comfortable? And just basically what should I do as I see you approaching? Yeah, I mean, you know, me just like any other law enforcement officer, and, you know, in today's job, we get trained to look for cues on people and read body language and, you know, check the waistline to look for weapons. And, and you know, I might stand at the boat ramp and, and watch you down there for 10 minutes before I decide, you know, whether or not I'm going to walk up at all. You know, sometimes it's just like, you know, these guys, they look like they're doing all right or, you know, they're older. They may not be required to have a license if they got a text plate, you know, so I might not even walk up. But, um, you know, really just be friendly and and play it cool is, you know, the best advice I can give because, you know, the, the things that'll escalate my attitude are the things like, you know, when I come around the corner and say, Hey, and you, 
you know, jerk your hands down in your pockets and <laughs> yeah. you know, start fumbling around with your shotgun and, mm-hmm. you know, just acting like something's going on. Right. And, you know, 90% of the people I talk to on any given day, nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's different than like being a city police or a county deputy where they're, they might take 15 calls in a day mm-hmm. and they're all, you know, more or less a negative nature. Right. Whereas I can go check 15 or 20 people hunting or fishing. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of those person people has done something wrong. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, if I'm just coming up to do a compliance check or you're, you know, come up under your stand or something and just let's say hello. And, you know, I know you've probably got a weapon and you can obviously see that I do. And, you know, as long as we just talk and, you know, it's, it's not too big of a deal if something's going on. So mainly just, you know, be open and friendly and, and say hi. And, you know, when, when people don't want to talk or they start, you know, uh, you know, scratching their face and putting their hands in their pockets and untucking their shirts and doing, you know, little weird stuff like that is when I kind of think, you know, maybe I need to take a little step back and start asking you some different type of questions, you know, or you, you know, what's the matter there? You got a pistol I don't know about, or, a you know, Something like that. Right. So making you feel comfortable is, is key, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Try to be as smooth with folks as they are with me. If mm-hmm. uh, You know, one classic example I had fairly recently was I walked up to a guy and, and uh, he was out on the management area just parked. And for whatever reason, this guy just would not leave the bed of his truck. Mm. Kept hovering around the tailgate and would keep his arms up on the tailgate. And, and so finally I'm like, dude what is the deal here with the bed of your truck? And every time I would walk closer, he would almost kind of get in between me and the tailgate where I can't see over the side of it. Mm. And, uh, you know, he didn't have anything wildlife going on. He had some drugs in there mm. in the bed of the truck that he had just tossed in there as I walked up. Mm. But it's, you know, to be quite honest, if he had just played it cool, I wouldn't have ever <laughs> <laughs> known any wider that he's got a bag of drugs he's not supposed to have in the bed of his truck. But those are the kind of things that mm-hmm. start to get my mind ticking. And, right. you know, next thing you know, it's, you know, so why are we, you know, acting like this when we mm-hmm. could have said hi, you know, are you fishing, hunting? No. Okay, man, have a good day. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, slightly different take on the same question. Let's say I'm out there hunting, fishing, or whatever, and I know that I am doing something wrong, and I look up and I see you coming. What's the best thing I can do in that situation? Turn yeah, around and I, run real fast? Yeah. <laughs> and that happens. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I would say try to do the same stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and it, what's, what's cool about body language and stuff is that people can't help mm. but kind of give themselves away give a you know give that tail away like if you got a deer head that you just cut off in the back of your truck and i walk up to the truck and you just keep staring over your shoulder at the back of the truck well guess what if i i noticed that mm-hmm. <laughs> here we go mm-hmm. um you know on the flip side of that if if i've watched you do something and i already know you've done it i'm also going to treat you a little different mm-hmm. uh, you know if if i've uh you know, been out walking and it's, it's bow season and I, I hear a rifle shot and I go out there and, and, uh, you know, you've got a gun and, and I see deer scatter, then I'm probably going to treat you a little different than you were just sitting there on the bank of the river with the fishing pole out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I may say, Hey buddy, sling that rifle or open the action and, and hang it and, you mm-hmm. know, come on down and let's talk a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, and that can go as extreme as, you know, if I'm blacked out and, and following a guy one night that's spotlighting and, 
I see a muzzle flash out the window, then all those red and blues are coming on, mm -hmm. and I'm going to pull that guy out of the truck at gunpoint. Yeah. I already know he's shot at something, so right. you know I have to treat that as as serious as you know a, a vehicle pursuit with a mm -hmm. with a bank robber. Yeah, so. and I'm going to assume that honesty probably goes a long way in that situation too. Absolutely. I mean, all of us, you know, and and wildlife laws are thick, mm -hmm. and you know, there's a lot of reading up to do. It's not, you know, it's not as always as cut and dry as, you know, getting caught speeding or something. You know, if, if you got something going on, we can work through this. And, uh, you know, as I try to pay back respect and, and mm -hmm. honesty as, as best I can. There's certain situations where, you know, dude, I got to write you a ticket, mm -hmm. you know, but it might be the difference of let's, let's take this lesser charge. Let's, you know, let's do this here. And man, you know, you've been all open with me. Let's, uh, you know, I, I've got to write you this ticket, but you know, we can do a warning on these other two, mm -hmm. you know, you've been good to me. Whereas, you know, that guy that when he does shoot out the window and I turn the red and blues on and takes off and goes down the highway, mm -hmm. he's going to get every <laughs> ticket <laughs> that I could probably stroke out to him if he doesn't go to jail, which he probably would if he just stomped on it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't speak for every officer, you know, but, uh, I know as far as my discretionary boundaries go, um, there's a lot that can be said for the guy that hangs his head and says, sorry, right. you know, or, uh, I've had a classic example of a, on our man management area, rifle season is open for the first nine days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had a 70 something year old man that was out there on the Monday morning after on the 10th day. And I hear a shot and I walk out there and here, here comes this 70 year old man trying his darndest to drag this deer out. So I walk up and talk to him and, and, uh, he don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you can just tell this guy don't have a clue. And I said, well, this is all great. You know, he had his orange on, he had his license, he had all this going for him. I said, man, uh, I hate to, to burst your bubble here, but rifle season's closed right here. And I mean, the old man starts to cry <laughs> and it's like, you know, what do I do? I said, I'm not going to write this guy a thousand dollar ticket and take his deer away and, and all that. So we come to some other kind of solution that, that, you know, he knows now and he's not going to do that again. And, mm -hmm. and it's still the same at the end of the day, our mission for the agency is compliance. Right. And it doesn't, nothing saying that compliance has to be the book thrown at you all day, every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a two way street there. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like that answer. All right, so this one's a little more of a technical question, and uh, when this uh, drops, hunting season will be open, uh, and so I figured it's a good time for this. Uh, I want to talk about weapons and vehicles, um, you know, like your rifle, you know, can it be loaded in the back seat? Uh, can the magazine be full but not be in the rifle? Uh, are there different laws for muzzle loaders and crossbows? Uh, the Laws different for rifles and pistols, and I realize I just threw a whole bunch at you, so we yeah. we can no, take good. it one at a time if you'd like. Uh, I, I keep that prepared, and I've got the reg book open right okay. here. So something may just open it up and, and just spout off a, a statute. But when Oklahoma went into the the open constitutional carry, you know, it begged a lot of questions about that. So, like, you know, when can I drive and and carry a gun? And uh, you know, with with a few little caveats, it, the the law now is basically that. Um, a person can carry any uh, pistol, shotgun, rifle, loaded or unloaded, 
concealed or unconcealed, you know, if you're eligible, you know, 21 years old, you know, not a convicted felon, you know, those, those little caveats in general, if you're in good standing, that's, that's the rule. Um, however, it did not supersede Oklahoma's statute uh, on transporting a loaded firearm in a vehicle. Um, so for public roadways, it is still that a rifle or shotgun can be magazine but not chamber loaded. And I'll let me just open it up here on my phone and double check myself. Uh, and I may just read read some of this off here. Please, please. Uh, let's see here. So the statute is is Title Twenty One. Uh, section 1289.13, and this is transporting a loaded firearm. So except as otherwise provided, it is unlawful to transport a loaded rifle or shotgun in a landborne motor vehicle over a public highway or roadway unless the rifle or shotgun is transported clipped or magazine loaded and not chamber loaded and is in the exterior lock compartment of a vehicle trunk or in the interior compartment of the vehicle. So basically magazine or, uh, you know, there's not really very many weapons out there with clips anymore mm-hmm. that are getting carried around. But uh, so, you know, if you got a box magazine, you can have the magazine in it, but not chamber loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, there is when the Oklahoma Self-Defense Act came out, uh, this kind of carried along with it. And it states that any person who is the operator of a vehicle or is a passenger in any vehicle another person is licensed pursuant to the Oklahoma Self-Defense Act. So in other words, if they have a concealed carry license, they can carry a handgun, concealed or unconcealed, rifle or shotgun in such vehicle. And uh, let me see here if I read that right. Yeah. So they can carry a handgun, concealed or unconcealed, a rifle or shotgun in such that is not deemed in violation of the provisions of the section provided uh, or the licensee is in or near the vehicle. So in a nutshell, that means if someone in the vehicle, so if you got like four buddies mm-hmm. and one of them is a concealed carry holder, a rifle or shotgun could be in that truck and be loaded. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, that's, that's the only real trick to that. And as far as, if any of us is going to go out there and, and hang you out to dry on something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's just kind of a, if you're a concealed carry holder, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's just you and you're not, then, you know, you're still going to be uh, on the unloaded or magazine loaded. Right. And Which then, is a good, uh, you know, a good practice anyway. And so. Yeah, it's a good rule of thumb. I mean, mm-hmm. even my weapons that I keep here in the truck, mm-hmm. by policy, my rifle can't be chamber loaded because mm-hmm. the butt stock sits on the floor. And right. if, I guess if old school train of thought is if I hit a pothole <laughs> hard enough, then <laughs> I might have a hole in my roof. Right, right. Uh, there is one other worth noting we have uh, as far as crossbows are concerned on our management areas. Um, they're not to be loaded Crossbows are not addressed in the general Oklahoma title, um, you know, and it's probably just a, it's never been that big of a deal, so it's never been addressed by the legislature. But on on wildlife management areas, 
no crossbows may be transported unless they're uncocked and or disassembled. So I don't know why you would want to have a cocked crossbow <laughs> in the back seat. Yeah, sounds like a bad idea to me. But if you're on a management area, then it is state law that that crossbow needs to be uncocked while you're in the vehicle. So gotcha, gotcha. And uh, you covered it in the book there. But you know, if if you're on your own private land, then you're good to go. Correct. Yeah, you're pretty much, you know, you, you take yourself at your own risk. So that, that statute specifically states for open public roadways. So if you're on the county road or highways and anything that's, you know, maintained by the county and, and free for anyone to drive on. So Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. Gotcha. Well, thank you for clearing that up. And uh, that's kind of the last real technical question. These others, I think, are a little more fun and a little more educational. <laughs> and so... Uh, the first one, and luckily I've never had this happen directly, but I can see it happening sometime or to somebody. Uh, let's say I'm out, out there on my property and I see a person trespassing. Uh, what should I do? What's the best steps, steps for me to take? Yeah. And, and really, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a up and down question. Cause it's kind of just depends on what you're comfortable with doing. I have a lot of you know, guys that are the, the old timer and good old boys that by gosh, they're going to go grab their rifle out of the, out of the truck and go down there and hold them at gunpoint. And I tell them, you know, there's no need to put yourself in harm's way like that. Uh, but you know, they're going to do it. Uh, and it does, I mean, you can sure enough make a case that way because that gives you time to get there and they're not running away. I try to tell everybody that, that asked me something like that is, you know, if they've got a vehicle parked at your gate, you know, get a good description of it, take a picture, get the tag number, man, I can catch up with them in two hours, you know, when they've left or I can get there. And if I walk in and try to find them and they come out from another way and drive off and leave, at least I've got something, you know, tangible that I can work with, mm-hmm. you know, run that tag number and get a name and, and, uh, you know, some people will sit there and just kind of hide out and wait and try to get a look at them. I would just say, don't put yourself in harm's way. At the end of the day, I don't really think it's worth it, but you know, it's, it's your property. And if you do feel like it's worth it and you call me and say, Hey, I've got some guys down here that I've busted on my pond and I'm not leaving till you get here. And if one of them tries to leave, I'm going to whoop them. Then I'll, I'll get there as fast as I can and I'll, I'll work it just as hard as I would otherwise. So. Right, right. I like the I've tip had, of uh, the vehicle. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I like yeah, that. a lot of people, you know, if they're not kind of in the mentality of details like that, that man, a tag number goes a long ways because I can, I can take a tag number and get a name and address. And from a name and address, I can, uh, you know, run them in our fishing license, hunting license database and get their phone number. And if they've ever killed a deer or, uh, get their driver's license number and all that. So it, it really, you know, a good picture and a tag number goes a long ways without putting yourself out there for, you know, for getting in a fight or, yeah. or anything like that. So I like it. I like it. All right. Moving on along. Uh, <laughs> this one, I've, I've actually heard people argue both sides of this. Uh, do fish limits apply on private land? So if you're out there and you got your own little stock tank, do you have to, I, I mean, and just to kind of go full circle with the question, let's go, you know, do you have to have a fishing license? Do you have to pay attention to, you know, bag limits or size limits and all that good stuff? Yeah. So there, there are some license requirements for ponds. So basically if you're the landowner, um, 
and I believe without looking, it's just basically like immediate family are not required to have a license. But like if your neighbor wants to come over and fish on your pond or you're going to have family coming in from out of state that, you know, is like a fourth cousin, you know, something like that, or um, those sort of situations, you would be required to have a license. Uh, but as far as bag limits and size limits go, uh, it's whatever you want on your pond. So there, there used to be that law, uh, but really, you know, it, it was kind of obsolete, you know, and just wasn't really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if you clean your pond out, it doesn't really have any effect on the fish in the Red River, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, they lifted that, uh, but there are still the the requirements of, uh, you know, on, on your place and, uh, you know, who needs it and who doesn't. So, uh Without spouting it all off from my head, I'd just say if you if you're worried about it or wondering about it, if who's coming to visit and stuff needs a license, just pick up the reg book and and thumb through there, and it it's on the license requirement page for private ponds. There, gotcha. one of the first few pages of the reg book there. So, gotcha, gotcha. And when in doubt, just buy one because it goes to conservation. So that's, that's yeah, that's right. Sense. Nobody nobody does as much for conservation as the people out mm-hmm. catching fish and hunting deer. So. Right, right. All right, this next one, I guess, could be a little trickier. Um, uh, what if someone unknowingly breaks a game law, and what should they do? And my, I guess I kind of have two examples of this. You know, let's say there's a group of guys out duck hunting, and they're three shy of their limit, and a group comes in, they end up killing five, and so they're two over. Or, you know, I've heard of instances where somebody shoots a deer, and, you know, the bullet goes through and hits a second deer that maybe they don't have a tag for. You know, one of those kind of you know i wouldn't say completely out of your uh out of your hands but one of those accidental type things uh what should they, a person do in that situation well and speaking of that bullet killing two deer i have watched that happen <laughs> uh i went and helped uh the first year that beavers bend state park had their uh controlled hunt um i was a park ranger there and uh we had a guy that he had uh you know, it was archery only. He had shot a deer with a crossbow, shot it a little behind, went right through the guts, and we're out there trailing it. Didn't go very far. I, I it, you know, he he said, uh, oh, we've, we've shot one, and, and we just happened to be sitting there. So we went out there and said, well, we'll help you look for it. So we go out there. We find her, and as we're getting ready to, uh, you know, gut her and, and drag her out. This other deer, like 20 yards back there, just lifts its head up and starts thrashing in the in the <laughs> woods. And we're like, uh, okay. So we walk over there, and at the base of the tree, we find a crossbow bolt with blood all over it. And we walk over there to her, and so that first arrow had went through that deer and cut the throat of another doe behind it. Hmm. And, uh, hmm. you know, so if you say it can't happen, <laughs> it can happen. And the guy's like, oh, man, you know, I've... I only had, I think it was, I think that was like a two deer limit for that hunt. And he'd already killed one the day before. And so now he's killed three and it's kind of one of them deals like, okay, well, you know, we need to kind of go to the drawing board on this. And <laughs> and uh, they ended up, you know, giving him a carcass tag and, and letting him keep it. And, you know, it's not really one of them things he could foresee happening. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, out in the field and, and shooting too many ducks and, you know, it really comes down to just, you know, what your integrity level is and, and what you want to do with it. Uh, you know, I'm 
like before with the the handling contacts and stuff i mean your honesty is going to go a long ways um you know i've had uh another example of a guy that he called and told me that yeah i went out west and hunted a turkey and all this that and the other and told me about his hunt and then kind of curiosity killed the cat and I, I ran him and he didn't check that turkey in and i was like well I hate to say I creeped on you here, but I noticed you didn't check this turkey in. When he goes, well, I didn't think you had to in western Oklahoma. And I was like, well, I've never heard of this. And he said, I swear I promise on everything that I didn't know. And, I, you know, I didn't, you know, you can write me the ticket, I guess. But, you know, I didn't know. And I talked to my supervisor. And sure enough, in Oklahoma, many, many years ago, western Oklahoma did not require you to check in a turkey. And, you know, that's one of them deals where we he didn't really mean to do that. He had last time he had been turkey hunting was way out West with his dad when he was a kid and they didn't have to check a turkey in. And, uh, you know, but he was open about it and honest about it. And we, we handled it in a manner that, you know, didn't cost him an arm and a leg. And, <laughs> you know, we, we still talk about our hunts to this day. And I say, well, do I need to go see if you checked it in? And he's like, Nope, man, she is checked in. So, <laughs> <laughs> Lesson learned, lesson learned. Yeah, I mean, you know, to that, that guy that wants to, throw that wood duck out in the swamp during till season i mean i may never know the wiser but uh, the guy who field trained me uh told me something that i never forget and it, it's played true several times and it's real simple and it's everybody has their day and uh you know so you may not get caught today you may not get caught tomorrow but that little voice inside your head every time you kill that extra duck and, and don't do anything about it or don't much care to prevent it from happening next time. Uh, you know, the Lord has a way of getting that to come back around. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, this next question, I don't know, I guess it could be a little, uh, precarious, uh, hog hunting at night during deer season. Um, is it allowed? What are the steps if you want to do it? Um, I guess the big one is just, is it allowed? Yeah, so it is. Um, so during a big game season, um, if you're pig hunting, you're required to have a field or unfield license for that season. And so if you're on private property, you can still go hunt a pig day or night with a gun. Uh, but as the law is written, you would have to have an unfield or field archery tag. So whatever is in season, you have to be licensed for that. Gotcha. And then if you're going to do it at night, uh, as it stands right now, we have a free online, basically notification style permit. That's called a feral hog night shooting exemption. Uh, and so you fill it out. You go through the same process as if you was going to log in and buy a fishing license or whatever. Click on it, and it'll have you fill out, and it'll ask you if are you the landowner, you know, are you just a hunter? Uh, go through that, and then it'll have you describe the property. Uh, you know, you can say you can put in the address and 80 acres, or you know, I'm at the intersection of County Road 2040 and, and 5600, and I've got 120 acres. Um, and then so that'll apply the night shooting exemption to your account. Uh, and then there is the catch that if it is deer rifle season. Uh, the game warden in the county needs to be notified uh, when you're going to do it. And you can shoot a text message or a call. Uh, but any other time of year, deer archery, whatever, uh, that requirement's not there. But if it's firearm season, um, you need to have that permit, which is free. 
and then just a you know 24 hour by 24 hour notification that hey we're going to be out there Tuesday night and Wednesday night shooting pigs you know off of you know county road whatever so gotcha and I assume it's the same is there any difference if you're using a thermal as opposed to uh, a spotlight no so on the pigs you know there's very little regulation especially for pri- private property on what you can kill them with so uh, you just get out there and get after them. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what I need to do right now. I got way more pigs <laughs> than I do deer on my cameras. So, yeah, and it amazes me how much interest you know anymore. Um, actually, on some of our uh, survey work and stuff that our agency does, behind deer, pigs are the number two most sought after species of wildlife in the state. So, mm-hmm. if you can even really call them wildlife, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, this is a fun one. Uh, So I myself was on a piece of public land in Oklahoma walking along, and I look up, and I am like, that is an alligator, and kept walking and got closer, and sure enough, I could see the snout and eyes clear as day, and it went under. And uh, so I have a question. Are there any laws and regulations surrounding alligators in the state of Oklahoma? Uh, so right now they're protected. So there's not any open season. There's no legal means of take uh, for an alligator. They're, uh, you know, they're pretty much like a bald eagle as far as that goes for Oklahoma. Just just don't kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, um, with Oklahoma, anything that's an immediate threat to you or your livestock, uh, you can uh, take whatever measure to prevent that destruction or injury to yourself. So. You know, if you're out there in a in a little plastic bass buggy and a alligator, not that he would, but if an alligator decided to come up there and start chomping on the boat and try to get in there with you, uh, you can take whatever measures you want uh, or have to to, to uh, prevent yourself from being hurt or killed by that alligator. So gotcha. uh, to my knowledge, there's not been any documented case of alligators in Oklahoma, you know, pulling cows in the pond or... <laughs> You know, anything like that. They really like the, they want the skunk and the, and the raccoon that comes up to get a drink and turtles and snakes. I mean, if, if you don't like snakes, then put an alligator in your pond. He'll do more for your snakes, get rid of them than, than anything. So I like that uh, tip because I hate snakes. Absolutely yeah. hate them. So there you go. I've, we've, uh, we've had to do one pond removal here in Choctaw County, uh, where a lady had a, gator in her pond and there was just no way shape or fashion that i was going to convince her that it was not going to hurt anything <laughs> so it basically came to, uh this gator is going to leave or i'm going to go kill it how much is the ticket and i was like okay well uh i guess we'll come get a gator <laughs> so uh but really there's you know stepping over a snake and getting bit is going to be a bigger problem than we'll ever have with alligators here in oklahoma you know I guess, you know, in Florida where they get to be 14 foot long and come up on your back porch and lay there and hiss. And I guess if we ever get to that point, we might need to have a conversation. But as it is right now, just let them be gators. They're not hurting nobody. Well, I will try my best to remember you said that when I'm walking in there in the dark uh, (laughs) on my way to my tree stand. So Yeah, I can't say that if a gator didn't come by and brush my leg while I was going out to set decoys or something that, it would not be tempting to be in fear for my life, but <laughs> yeah, 
they they don't want it. They want as little to do with you as as uh, you do with them. So gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, I just got one more for you, and I think it's probably the most fun. Uh, so let's say I'm out there, public land, private line, whatever it is, and the deer of a lifetime walks up, and I shoot it. And I walk up to it, and I think that this deer might be a state record, world record, county record, whatever, just massive deer. Yeah. Uh, what should I do? You know, because you hear stories of all the time of people saying they shot this massive deer, and then everybody doubts them, or you know, says the photoshopped or whatever, and this and that. And so, if I think I have a true, you know, state record type deer, what are the best steps I can take? Yeah, so, you know, if you think you're to that point, you know, holler at one of us. Um, every game warden here in Oklahoma is trained to score deer um, with the Cy Curtis record book. You know, if we've got a deer that, that you can show me or a couple of other guys, because, I mean, if I get a picture of a big deer like that, the first thing I'm going to do is show it to two or three other game wardens, and we're all going to say, oh, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a good one, or, you know, this this guy's wishful thinking, you know. <laughs> But if we all get to that point and we decide, okay, this is a this is the real deal, um, you know, we'll get in touch with a biologist. We've got several game wardens across the state that can score Boone and Crockett. Um, you know, of course, you've got you know you've got a wait period before you can score and all that good stuff. But you know, just take your measures to get ready for that score. Um, and one thing is, once a deer's been scored, uh, it can't be scored again. So, you know, if it is one that we think, okay, this is going to go beyond Cy Curtis and we want it Boone and Crockett and you let somebody come score it, uh, well, this thing's already been scored. Uh, if it don't make the record book, you can't run and cry and, <laughs> and want two or three other people to score it. Or if somebody puts the, I, don't, I can't even think of the name of that deal, the Rackinator or yeah, whatever that. I know what you're deal talking deal about that, it, yeah. And, and some of our guys have sat down and ran that machine versus hand scoring a deer and it, it's world's different. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> just, uh, you know, take good care of that deer, you know, start your wait time. Uh, our agency has a deal called rack madness every year uh, where if you think you've got one of those deer, you can bring it. Um, it's in mid late spring. I believe I can't remember the exact dates, but um, at Rack Madness, we'll have all of our guys that are Boone and Crockett scorers um, up there at our headquarters. You can bring it in. You know, the director's there. The chief of law enforcement's there. The, the chief game biologist is there. It's a it's a big to-do. You know, there's vendors there and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's kind of like the days of when everybody used to go brag about their deer at the check station. Well, you know, now if you've got really a sure enough big deer, then haul that sucker up to headquarters and, mm -hmm. and let the whole state see it. You know, the right. news will be there. You know, if they, if we know for sure there's going to be a record deer come in, I mean, there will be, you know, K4 Oklahoma City News will be there, and, mm -hmm. and it'll be a big deal, and we'll get it scored by the best people available in our state to score it. So. Right. Now, what about that day? I mean, like, is, is calling you or the, whoever the local game warden, is that a good idea? You know, right when you kill it? Uh, photos? What about all that stuff? Yeah, I mean that uh, that don't hurt nothing, you know. If if you think, uh, hey man, this thing might score big, you want to take a look at it and and send me the pictures, then I can certainly get that ball rolling. Of you know, this deer's going to need some attention, or we might say, well, that may fall a little short, you know. Bring it, bring it up later, or, uh, you know. And of course, we'll check your license and make sure you know you're on track to get it checked in and and all that. So it it don't hurt anything, you know. I've I've had some some big deer that are killed and 
come from my area and I never knew about. And I'm like, well, dang, I, you know, <laughs> I would like to have seen that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all like to see a big deer just as much as the next guy. So. Right, right. It don't hurt nothing. You know, there's nothing saying you got to tell us about a big deer. You can just go have it scored and, and show up and, you know, here he is. But, uh, you know, start at the bottom and we can verify it and say, yeah, this is going to be good. Let's wait till we can get it in front of a, one of our best scores and, mm-hmm. and make sure it gets done right. So. Yeah. Yeah, the the advice I always heard was take lots of pictures and notify the game warden, and just that that's the yeah. best way to that's the best way to you know put all those naysayers and doubts behind. And it seems yeah. like our our society is a whole lot more about tearing people down these days than it is building them up. And so it certainly is. And we've had some you know you get all kinds of outlandish stories of what's them big deer. Somebody's killed a big one. It's a, oh well they shot it at night or, mm-hmm. or you know all that. And we would hate for you know, and when what happens sometimes pretty commonly is this guy may only have a doe tag and he goes out there to hunt that morning and, uh, oh my goodness, here's this massive deer. Well, I shoot him and then go home and buy a buck tag and check it in. And then when I look at that, that on the computer, I can see where this guy's bought his license at 8 a.m. and checked in a deer at 8.15 a.m. <laughs> and I'm just like, really hate to be this way, but I... I don't, I don't like this. So <laughs> right, right. You know, make, make sure if you're going to hunt and think you've got that or you got that on camera, make sure you got all your ducks in a row as far as the paperwork goes. So gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Andrew, that's all the questions I got. Um, is there anything that you want to bring up or this is your chance to speak to the people. Is there anything that you'd like to let people know? Oh, I would just say, you know, get out there and, and get outside, you know, and even if you don't like to hunt, just, you know, go contribute. And there's lots of things to do on our management areas besides, you know, go out and hunt. And, you know, you can go horseback ride and we've got camping areas. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people are kind of intimidated by our public land around here. And, you know, even though it says you have to have a hunting license to be out there, I mean, still that's, you know, you go pay for your hunting license. And, well, now I can go out here all year and fish and camp and, you know, hang out and uh, you know, all that land is there for you and, and go take advantage of it. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, Andrew, it's been a blast and uh, I appreciate all you had and I uh, hope you have a good rest of your day. Take some calls. Yeah, me too. I may try to go home and dig up supper if I can get out of here without <laughs> cornered up. So. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Andrew. Yeah, thank you. Well, folks, how did I do? <laughs> I hope everybody who started is still with me. And, uh, again, thanks for bearing with me as I learned this process and just uh, how to do an interview and how to do a podcast. So thank you all for listening. I want to throw a huge shout-out to Andrew and thank him for coming on and being my guinea pig. And so, yeah, I hope everybody's having a great week. I hope everybody's getting out in the woods and doing some hunting or uh shoot maybe even on the water doing some fishing it's pretty cold but i know some of you guys out there still bearing the elements and getting out there and doing it so again i just want to thank everybody uh be sure to look us up on instagram and facebook is coming soon so look for us there and again guys just ah i'm so excited for this project can't wait to do more of these and yeah keep listening i said in uh in my uh intro episode that i'm terrible at ending things (laughs) so i'm just gonna cut myself off here and have a great day